Welcome to the Lift Podcast. We hope our time together will encourage you in love, inspire and foster your faith as we teach one another from the foundation of God's Word. Well, how do we keep confessions true and authentic and genuine? Is that where we are? Yeah. Okay. And how critical is it that we're constantly monitoring our confessing and receiving of confession? This is one of those things that um, he led he led us to in our family early, early on, but without all of this. <laughs> like, as our kids were younger, um, we really, really wanted to um, to teach them and train them about the beauty of confession rather than the ugliness of lying. Um, and so... David and I decided early on that we were never going, we were going to try to never, <laughs> we did say this, <laughs> we were going to try to never tell them to say, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. because we felt like that was training them to lie, because there were times when they were not sorry, and I knew they were not sorry, mm-hmm. and to tell them to say they were sorry was me telling them, and for them to obey me, <laughs> they were going to have to lie, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. you know, and so we started to talk about like what does that look like and how do what what phrases do we put in place that are different from say I'm sorry because that is a I think that's a reflexive thing that just happens early in parenting is say you're sorry like (laughs) you know um but we started to use the phrases um do you want to be okay with your brother do you want to forgive? Do you want forgiveness? Do you want, if they hurt each other, do you want to go with me and help them feel better? Is there, you know, do you want to go help me get this ice pack? And if they didn't, then they were being honest and authentic and they didn't want to, and we left it at that. But the more we said those things, the more they began to want them. They wanted forgiveness. They wanted, you know, and so then we would say, okay, what do you want forgiveness for? Do you want forgiveness? Okay, what do you want forgiveness for? So then it would be like, I want him to forgive me for doing this. Even though, like, at the moment, I may not be really sorry that I did it. I still want him to forgive me for it. Because we're egocentric. Because, right. Yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah. So, and it eventually came around to, okay, so next time, what do you want to do differently than what you did today. So then it wasn't so much say you're sorry for this thing and relive it or whatever. It's let's reconcile and repair and then make a plan for what we can do next time to avoid repeating. Does that does that make sense? I found though as we did this and as we went through the process that I had to actively value confession over honesty in myself because early on I would have told you that I valued honesty. Well, sometimes honesty looks like saying something that's very hurtful that doesn't really need to be said. Like it's honest, but it's not the helpful, helpful or the best thing to say. So, and, and this process takes a lot more energy than just say you're sorry and let's move on with our day. Like, 
So I had to actively value confession to put in the effort and the work. And that took a lot of prayer. That took a lot of me coming before him and saying, I don't value confession. <laughs> like, I would just rather than just always tell the truth and not have to confess and us not to have to stay. Because inevitably, when whenever my kids come and confess, it's at 10 o'clock at night when I want to go to bed. <laughs> um, so I had to actively pray for help in that. Um to imitate God when someone confesses to me, to recognize the worth of the confession is almost more valuable, and I think it is more valuable than being honest and doing it right every time. Confession does something for a relationship that doing the right thing 24-7 doesn't do. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, um, so we can jumpstart our own healing through confession, and we can be a part of someone else's healing by receiving confession and imitation of the way God, Christ, and the Holy Spirit receive our confession. But it goes much deeper than the actual behavior. It is deep into the core of what we value, our authenticity and our dependence on the fruit of the Spirit and our recognition of who we are in light of who God is. So practical takeaways from today. I've written down a couple, but y'all jump in with any um, examine the benefits of confessing our sin to each other and practice it because it only gets better with practice. Can we authentically value confession more than telling the truth and doing the right thing? And then one thing that I've been trying to do is multiply my confessions of who he is at least two times more than I need to confess something that I've done wrong. So if I feel like I have to say to my daughter, can you please forgive me for doing this or saying this? For every time I have to do that, I can choose to find two confessions of who he is over me, to double my confessions of him over my confessions of the things that I, when I don't measure up. And don't settle for half-truth. Pray for discernment to see half-truth quickly and in daily life. Okay, do y'all have any other ones that y'all want to add? Well, I, I don't know that we got to this part, but Hebrews 13, 15, um, I didn't want to skip that. I know. The verse that says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of the lips that confess his name. And so I think there is so much fruit that comes when we confess his name. Um, And you said, you know, when we confess who he is, we see more clearly, clearly who we are not. And so in my small group this week, we had a person asking for prayer that was really just broken and we didn't know what to pray for her so we just got the word of God out and we just started confessing who he was over her Mm -hmm. and I can honestly say before we prayed for her I was defeated for her because I wanted to help her I wanted to save her but then after we prayed over her who he was it was like my spirit was built up and I wasn't weary anymore because I knew I didn't have to do anything. Exactly. And I knew who I was not. I was not her savior, um, but that he was. And just confessing who he was, there was fruit immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, I love that part. I love that you just reiterated that part from like that, what John said, I am not the Christ. In John 20, um, that John the Baptist said that. Um, Because I 
so often find myself in that place like you're talking about. I want to be the helper. I want to be the person that's helping, and I'm not the helper. Like, But confessing who he is over them is that he is their ultimate. He is their savior. He is their Christ. And um, that is one of those confessions that I want to get stronger in and grow in. Um, not because obviously I know that I didn't die on the cross, but there's so many days when I want to fix it for mm-hmm. people. And it's not my place mm-hmm. to fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that story, Kimberly, because even this week, like I had a conversation with a friend. Um, cause just like y'all said, so often, especially when someone comes to you and they're like seeking your counsel or advice, you're like, okay, I want to give you some good. <laughs> and just through the conversation, us saying, okay, at the end of the day, what does Jesus want out of this? And let's trust him to do what, what we don't feel like we can do. Cause it didn't look positive. You know, like when you look at everything, you're like, I don't know how this is going to end well, but you're like, that's not who God is. Right. And so even just like you're saying, Kimberly, when we look at who he is and we confess who he is, it strengthens us and it takes the burden off of us of feeling like, okay, I have to have all these answers. Right. Um, and he can take anything, anything that Satan wants to use for evil and turn it to good. Absolutely. He can take it. And and I just don't think that I've confessed that enough in my own life, that he can take anything. Anything. So powerful when we start doing Anything. Anything. And, and, and Genesis, I mean, that, like, he did it in Joseph's life. He did it in Peter's life. Like, he, you know, like, he did, he did it for us. I mean, like, it's just yeah. like, you know. Well, and I think one of the things that, for me, there's a few things that have been just a shift for me over the last few years connected to this. And one of it is looking through the lens of Scripture and asking the question, before I ask any other question, of what does this tell me about who God is? And consistently looking for his character, not looking to under, so often I found myself asking questions that I don't even know that that passage was intended to answer. Or we ask questions of the Bible, like, well, why did this happen? Or why did this hurt? You know, like, and giving myself that framework of when I sit down and I read something of asking myself, what does this tell me about who God is? Before I ask, what does it mean for me? Because then it just puts that lens of constantly looking to see um, his character. But the enemy wants us to jump to, what does this say I'm supposed to do now? Right. When really, we just need to hang out with, what does this say about who he is? The The other thing that's been a helpful kind of resource for me is somebody shared just like a simple thing that we can do when we are coming to him in confession or even with other people. Um, and they called it the gospel waltz because they said a lot of times as believers, we want to do the gospel two-step and we want to repent 
and then try to obey in our own strength. So repent and strive. But the gospel waltz is repent, believe, obey. And so you confess and acknowledge that you have sinned or you need forget, you know, like you need forgiveness, but you acknowledge who God is. You confess who he is and who you are not. And you obey in his strength. You obey through the power of the Holy Spirit. And adding that piece in, like looking at my sin through that lens of going, not just I need forgiveness for this, but going, okay, in my weakness, you are made stronger. You are patient when I am impatient. And so that piece has been just helpful for me to have that kind of picture of doing the three-step instead of the two-step. Yeah, I love yeah. that. <laughs> that makes me think of, um, it was actually so powerful that I wrote it down in my Bible, but um, I was listening recently, uh, our, one of our associate pastors is also a counselor, and he said, there is an unnamed man in Second Kings, and I, I don't even know, I'll have to go in and search, but he said for him personally, it has been really impactful because that that prophet or that man of God came in to share just these words of wisdom, and they were breathe, walk, listen, obey, mm-hmm. and that kind of goes along. And I don't know, I'll have to go search the scripture. I don't know what the scripture is, but I've read it in my Bible. Can you say it again? Breathe, walk, listen. Breathe. So we have to calm down first. Right. Walk, maybe. Listen. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Go to your pantry. Get your chocolate. <laughs> Breathe. <laughs> <laughs> Eat. <laughs> walk, walk around. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, I think for me, the shift in just fair. I love even how you said, like you try to confess who he is more times than you confess for you know. Right. But I just, for me, that shift because it, even in processing my own narrative and my own story. If we focus on who he is, it takes our eyes, like when we're focused on ourselves, mm-hmm. we're seeing our story through that lens. Mm-hmm. And when we focus on who he is, I'll never forget like having some time with um, somebody and talking through a hard part of my story. And um, she asked me to confess something that I truly believed about God. And as the words tumbled out, I was like, I mean, I'm embarrassed to say that. Like, it, I knew it was not true, but it had never left my lips before. And allowing it to leave my lips really began to change that truth. And when I was tempted to believe the lie, like, I know, like I was like, well, that's dumb. Like, you know, <laughs> but when I left it internally, right. it was much easier and that's where I think the other piece of confession is important. You know? Well, that's the part. That's the part of when I was in Christie's table talk, like that, because she was talking about narratives and telling a story and how if you get the story right and you flesh it out and all that kind of stuff, it files it away and it kind of the, the illustration that you used that day. I don't know if you still like if that's still the one you like, but essentially our brains have things on on our on our desktop. And those are things that are pending, that we're thinking about all the time, that we're using all the time. And 
a lot of times those things that haven't been narrated or confessed just stay right there on our desktop. So they're right there in front of us all the time. And our brain doesn't file them. And so I was just as I was listening to her last spring, I was like, I wonder if confession like is that narrative that takes that piece of paper that's in the way. It's in the way of us doing all the things that he has for us to do and filing it away in the part of our brain where it's supposed to go back in our in our memory where we've learned from it, we've grown from it, but it's no longer in the way. Active. Right. It's no longer it's active. Trying to self-protect. Trying to keep us... Yeah. And the other thing I'll say, too, just from a practical standpoint, when I first started kind of interacting with some of this, like as Farah, I would say as Farah was thinking about it from this standpoint, like it was probably 18 months to a year ago that I felt like he was stirring up in me just a drawing of like being aware of what my pattern of confession looked like, not only in my relationship with him and others and confessing about him, but all pieces of it. And I realized I just had a negative view of confession that it, and I think that's easy for us. Like that's some of that shame maybe that we can have that the enemy wants us to have of like, he you did it again. Yeah. You did it again. And so recognizing, hey, just we don't talk about confession a lot, maybe collectively as the church, or we don't have we don't cultivate those patterns. A lot of times we talk about praying and reading our word, but it's not like confession is really in that daily pattern. And as I just brought it into the daily pattern of even just acknowledging. I was impatient. <laughs> like, I lost my temper. And I, truthfully, for a long time, I didn't acknowledge that. Like, it was like I knew that was wrong and I should not have done it. But shifting from acknowledging, I know this is wrong and I shouldn't have done it, to actual confession, it shifted how I saw it. And fair, kind of like you were saying, I felt less of that weight. Because it's like you get to the end of the day and you're, going, well, I shouldn't have done this, or I shouldn't have done that, but confession cleared it. Yes, and I think, you know, tying in the shame piece of it, that what shame, Brene Brown says, what shame means to grow exponentially is secrecy, silence, and judgment, and shame cannot abide in the presence of love. Um, And Kimberly, I'm remembering that, um, I feel like it was something that we were in together where they were talking about being in the presence of another attuned right brain. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. that? That begins the process of healing. Like when we sit in the presence of another person's healthy brain and we say, this is where I'm in. That's where the healing process begins. Mm-hmm. Um, some reason I had like this vision in my head of that maybe it was at the Asian Council. Yeah, I want to ask Christian now. But we've all she went to pick up my pen. Your brain pen. But you know, I think we've all been that for each other. Is that um, that uh, image of Christ that that you know we've mirrored um, 
that love for each other uh, is different. I think what you said is good because even the other day, a friend called and she said, hey, I prayed this morning, God, I need to talk to somebody today in my circle of trust. Mm -hmm. And what you just said, yeah, I think it's so important because we can confess to a lot of different people. Oh my gosh, yes. And but we don't need to. We don't need to. We and need to confess to the to yes. somebody's sake. But just even yeah. knowing, yeah. like in our own life, mm-hmm. not it doesn't even have to be confessing the deep and the dark or the story, right. but just who are the people around you? What are they confessing about who God is? Are mm-hmm. they building him up? Are they asked, right. you know, because no, just like you said, like if, when you are in that, the presence of that person, they're either going to build up the truth or they can, if they're not confessing truth, you know, it can. Um, so I just love that you said that, that like healing happens when we're in the presence of someone. Um, a team. She said a team. A team. And I know that at the counselor's convention, probably a team did not mean the same thing as I am taking it to me and the context of attunement with the Holy Spirit, but right, confessing something to another person that is in attunement with the Holy Spirit is definitely different than confessing to. Well, that's why Peter could run towards Jesus exactly, mm-hmm. and because he knew, right, he knew Jesus was mm-hmm. attuned to him. He had mm-hmm. breakfast and love mm-hmm. and bread. So yeah. Okay. This well, next time. We are going to build on this in upcoming episodes. Um, We're each going to share bits of our stories and unpack common core lies that we have believed. Our first story is going to be with Christy. We are hopeful that you will join us and fruitfully confess who he is in your life. And you'll be at your house confessing, and I'll be at my house confessing, and Karen will be at her house confessing, and it'll just be awesome as he receives our praise and fruitful lips that confess who he is. Um, It's going to be neat to hear, I think, some of the common core lies as we start to unpack them because each of us will share our story, but all of us will say how we have also been affected by that same lie. That's why Christy was like, he's told the same lies. (laughs) (laughs) Kimberly said he just put different bows on those. (laughs) Yeah. And he's probably told you some of the lies that he has. Because he's us. not creative. Because he's not creative. So, but we are creative because we are an image of the Father. So, we look forward to talking again.